Welcome to Bite at a Time Books, where we read you your favorite classics one bite at a time. My name is Brie Carlisle, and I love to read and wanted to share my passion with listeners like you. If you want to know what's coming next and vote on upcoming books, sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. You'll also find our new t-shirts in the shop, including podcast shirts and quote shirts from your favorite classic novels. Be sure to follow my show on your favorite podcast platform so you get all the new episodes. You can find most of our links in the show notes. But also our website, biteatatimebooks.com, includes all of the links for our show, including to our Patreon to support the show, and YouTube, where we have special behind-the-narration of the episodes. We're part of the Bite at a Time Books Productions Network. If you'd also like to hear what inspired your favorite classic authors to write their novels— and what was going on in the world at the time, check out the Bite at a Time books behind the story podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Please note, while we try to keep the text as close to the original as possible, some words have been changed to honor the marginalized communities who've identified the words as harmful and to stay in alignment with Bite at a Time books' brand values. Today we'll be continuing Rainbow Valley by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Chapter 29. A Weird Tale On an early June evening, Rainbow Valley was an entirely delightful place, and the children felt it to be so. As they sat in the open glade where the bells rang elfishly on the tree lovers, and the white lady shook her green tresses, the wind was laughing and whistling about them like a leal, glad-hearted comrade. The young ferns were spicy in the hollow, The wild cherry trees scattered over the valley among the dark firs were mistily white. The robins were whistling over in the maples behind Ingleside. Beyond, on the slopes of the glen, were blossoming orchards, sweet and mystic and wonderful, veiled in dusk. It was spring, and young things must be glad in spring. Everybody was glad in Rainbow Valley that evening until Mary Vance froze their blood with the story of Henry Warren's ghost. Jem was not there. Jem spent his evenings now studying for his entrance examination in the Ingleside garret. Jerry was down near the pond, trouting. Walter had been reading Longfellow's sea poems to the others, and they were steeped in the beauty and mystery of the ships. Then they talked of what they would do when they were grown up, where they would travel, the far fair shores they would see— Nan and Di meant to go to Europe. Walter longed for the Nile moaning past its Egyptian sands and a glimpse of the Sphinx. Faith opined rather dismally that she supposed she would have to be a missionary. Old Mrs. Taylor told her she ought to be, and then she would at least see India or China, those mysterious lands of the Orient. Carl's heart was set on African jungles. Una said nothing. She thought she would just like to stay at home, It was prettier here than anywhere else. It would be dreadful when they were all grown up and had to scatter over the world. The very idea made Una feel lonesome and homesick. But the others dreamed on delightedly until Mary Vance arrived and vanished poesy and dreams at one fell swoop. Lost, but I'm out of puff,' she exclaimed. "'I've run down that hill like sixty. I got an awful scare up there at the old Bailey place.' "'What frightened you?' asked I." I don't know. I was poking about under them lilacs in the old garden, trying to see if there was any lilies of the valley out yet. It was dark as a pocket there, 
And all at once I seen something stirring and rustling round at the other side of the garden in those cherry bushes. It was white. I tell you, I didn't stop for a second look. I flew over the dike quicker than quick. I was sure it was Henry Warren's ghost. Who was Henry Warren? asked I. And why should he have a ghost? asked Nan. Laws, did you never hear the story? And you brought up in the glen. Well, wait a minute till I get my breath all back and I'll tell you. Walter shivered delightsomely. He loved ghost stories. Their mystery, their dramatic climaxes, their eeriness gave him a fearful, exquisite pleasure. Longfellow instantly grew tame and commonplace. He threw the book aside and stretched himself out, propped upon his elbows to listen wholeheartedly, fixing his great luminous eyes on Mary's face. Mary wished he wouldn't look at her so. She felt she could make a better job of the ghost story if Walter were not looking at her. She could put on several frills and invent a few artistic details to enhance the horror. As it was, she had to stick to the bare truth. Or what had been told her for the truth. Well, she began, you know old Tom Bailey and his wife used to live in that house up there 30 years ago. He was an awful old rip, they say, and his wife wasn't much better. They'd no children of their own, but a sister of old Tom's died and left him a little boy, this Henry Warren, and they took him. He was about 12 when he came to them and kind of undersized and delicate. They say Tom and his wife used him awful from the start, whipped him and starved him. Folks said they wanted him to die so they could get the little bit of money his mother had left for him. Henry didn't die right off, but he begun having fits. Epilepsy, they called him and he grew up kind of simple, till he was about 18. His uncle used to thrash him in that garden up there because it was back of the house where no one could see him, but folks could hear. And they say it was awful sometimes hearing poor Henry plead with his uncle not to kill him, but nobody dared interfere because old Tom was such a reprobate he'd have been sure to get square with him some way. He burned the barns of a man at Harborhead who offended him. At last Henry died and his uncle and aunt give out he died in one of his fits, and that was all anybody ever knowed. But everybody said Tom had just up and killed him for keeps at last. And it wasn't long till it got around that Henry walked. That old garden was haunted. He was heard there at nights moaning and crying. Old Tom and his wife got out, went out west and never came back. The place got such a bad name, nobody'd buy or rent it. That's why it's all gone to ruin." That was 30 years ago, but Henry Warren's ghost hadn't in it yet. Do you believe that? Asked Nan scornfully. I don't. Well, good people have seen him and heard him, retorted Mary. They say he appears and grovels on the ground and holds you by the legs and gibbers and moans like he did when he was alive. I thought of that as soon as I seen that white thing in the bushes and thought if it caught me like that and moaned, I'd drop dead on the spot. So I cut and run. It mightn't have been his ghost but I wasn't going to take any chances with a haunt. It was likely old Mrs. Stimson's white calf, laughed Di. It pastures in that garden. I've seen it. Maybe so, but I'm not going home through the Bailey garden anymore. Here's Jerry with a big string of trout, and it's my turn to cook them. Jim and Jerry both say I'm the best cook in the Glen, and Cornelia told me I could bring up this batch of cookies. I all but dropped them when I saw Henry's ghost. Jerry hooted when he heard the ghost story, which Mary repeated as she fried the fish, touching it up a trifle or so, since Walter had gone to help Faith to set the table. It made no impression on Jerry, 
but Faith and Una and Carl had been secretly much frightened, though they would never have given in to it. It was all right as long as the others were with them in the valley. But when the feast was over and the shadows fell, they quaked with remembrance. Jerry went up to Ingleside with the Blythes to see Jem about something, and Mary Vance went around that way home. So Faith and Una and Carl had to go back to the manse alone. They walked very close together and gave the old Bailey garden a wide berth. They did not believe that it was haunted, of course, but they would not go near it for all that. Thank you for joining Bite at a Time Books today, while we read a bite of one of your favorite classics. Again, my name is Bree Carlisle, and I hope you come back tomorrow for the next bite of Rainbow Valley. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com and check out the shop. You can check out the show notes or our website, biteatatimebooks.com, for the rest of the links for our show. We'd love to hear from you on social media as well.